And uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce this great historian, this Detroit historian, this Detroit icon, uh, giving his flowers now, uh, the great Michael M. Hotel. All right, thank you. I, I, I didn't expect an introduction like that from Brother Goldman. All right, thank you. All right, they're uh, getting the podium set up for me. All right, Abargani. All right, Abargani. All right, so look, I have, this is a short, this is a, a tight 30-minute presentation. So uh, you know I can do three, four-hour presentations. This is not one of those. So this one here, and you have it, uh, good brother, uh, Brother Ben back there has my presentation up on the screen. All right, so this is uh, Kwanzaa Kujichagalia's self-determination to repair the damage from a legacy of slavery and racism, okay? Uh, uh, advance forward, because more information comes up, Brother Ben. All right, now, so this presentation is gonna build upon uh, the presentation that I did last year for uh, Malcolm S. Grassroots Movement for uh, Kuji Chagali. And uh, thanks to uh, Sister Shoshana, and Brother Bomani, Brother Kemba, and everybody else for uh, organizing this event, okay? Uh, you can get, uh, go, go for it, because two more things come up. Uh, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, seen, and heard about yourself. All right, uh, you can contact me at uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and uh, my venture table is uh, back here as well. All right, okay, let's go to the next slide, Brother Ben. And uh, I've been on Roland Martin Unfiltered for three years now. Started October 2020. I kick butt every Friday. I've had to get on Roland a couple of times, and he backed up off me, so now we're cool. Um, I just guest hosted uh, Friday, December 15th. If you missed that, go watch that show. I'll be on tomorrow. We're going to have our year wrap-up show. I still do the African History Network show Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 910, flipping their format to White Supremacist Radio does not stop me, because I have my show before I even started on 910. So it's okay with me. I have a million followers on my Facebook fan page, the African History Network, so they didn't stop anything. This is why you gotta own your own stuff, okay? I'm cleaning it up because we're in church. That's why you gotta own your own stuff, all right? Now, anytime I speak, I know I may say some things that outside the circumference of uh, some people's awareness, and I learned this from one of my teachers, Dr. Ray Higgins of the African Village. Uh, the space inside, I usually say something like this, the space inside this circle represents my realm of knowledge. Everything that I think I know about, whatever I think I know, is represented within the circumference of this circle. I must keep in mind that there are still things to know that exist outside the circumference of my own awareness. So just because you know everything that you know about what you know, does not mean you know everything there is to know about what you know. There's still things that exist outside the circumference of your own awareness. Okay, now, very briefly, usually I go deep into the history of Kuji Chagalia, but I got three important topics to deal with in this type presentation. So you've seen that presentation before, so we're going to skip over some of that, okay? Second principle of Kwanzaa, second principle of Guzu Saba, Kuji Chagalia, to define ourselves, name ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. Now, as Dr. Wade Nobles correct, correctly taught us, power is the ability to define and shape reality and have other people accept your definition of reality as if it were their own. 
Next slide. So this is Dr. Mawalana Karinga, and we know that Kwanzaa was created in 1966 by Dr. Mawalana Karinga and members of organization US. I talked to Dr. Linda Jeffers to verify that history with one of my teachers. That information is also on organization US uh, on their website as well. Okay, next slide. Now, Kwanzaa is not a religious holiday. Kwanzaa is a pan-African uh, cultural holiday, pan-African African-American cultural holiday that focuses on FCC, family, community, and culture. Family, community, and culture, celebrated December 26th through January the 1st. And the name Kwanzaa comes from the Kiswahili phrase, Matundia Kwanzaa. And the word Kwanzaa is a Bantu word, just like the word Wakanda. Wakanda is a real word. We find that in the uh, uh, key Congo language. Wakanda is, is Bantu, just like uh, Kwanzaa is Bantu as well. For more information, visit the website, officialkwanzawebsite.com, officialkwanzawebsite.com. Next slide. Okay, now, also for more information, for introductory information on Pan-Africanism, uh, I recommend Pan-Africanism for Beginners by Sid the Male. It's not the only introduction, but it's a good one. I read that back in college, in the early 90s, Wayne State University. Pan-Africanism is an ideology that African people around the world and throughout the diaspora should be united. It deals with social, cultural, political, economic, material, and spiritual aspects. It doesn't matter who your colonizer was or who your colonizer is. Sometimes we get caught up in thinking one colonizer is better than the other. I think, we, I think we're better than other people who were colonized by somebody else. No, they're all colonizers. This is what I was explaining when Queen Elizabeth II died. I said, and, and, and I don't take this the wrong way, but when Meghan Markle married Prince Harry in 2018, and black people were sitting up there crying, talking about how beautiful the wedding was, I said, she married into a family of colonizers. I'm not calling them colonizers because they're white, I'm calling them colonizers because 100 years ago, England uh, controlled one-fifth of the world population. One-fifth of the world population was colonized by England. She married into a family of colonizers. All right, now, let's continue. Uh, what we're gonna do, go, uh, let's see. Okay, go to the next slide, brother. And what I want to do is go to the slide after this one right here. Next slide. What are first fruit celebrations? Now, Kwanzaa is based upon traditional African first fruit harvest celebrations that were practiced in different African uh, cultures, okay, throughout history. We can also find first fruit celebrations in large African empires like amongst the Zulu or Amazulu in South Africa, uh, in, in uh, Southeastern Africa like the Metabele, the Fonga, and the Vega. Kwanzaa builds on the five fundamental activities of continental African first fruit celebrations, end gathering, reverence, commemoration, recommitment, and celebration. Now, in, in preparation for me to talk about that history of Kwanzaa, I read Dr. Maulana Karinga's book, The African American Holiday of Kwanzaa, A Celebration of Family, Community, and Culture. This comes from pages 16 through 17, but I read the whole book. Go read that. Because a lot of people say Kwanzaa's made up and, and different things like that. Next slide. But all these holidays are made up. This is why I explain to people, all these European holidays are made up. I study the history of all of them. Read Dr. Shakamusa Barashango's book, African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide, book one and book two. This is book one here on the screen. Okay, next slide. Now, three main topics I want to deal with in this very tight, short presentation. And then uh, you can come see me uh, after the presentation at my vendor table out there because I have a lot of information for you. One, last, uh, last year for Kwanzaa, second day of Kwanzaa, I talked about the California Reparations Task Force study, their 500-page initial study. 
And I said, when the final report comes out, I'll talk about that. The final report came out June 29th, 2023. It's a little more than 1,000 pages. They make over 115 policy recommendations. So I just want to just give you a little introduction to that. Secondly, this, this past summer, and when we celebrated Juneteenth, I talked about how we had to use Juneteenth as a tool to educate America on the history that people are passing laws to suppress the teaching of that history in schools, okay? And June, the history of Juneteenth is directly related to repairing the damage of a legacy of slavery, racism, Jim Crow, segregation, et cetera, what some people call collectively reparations. Third, what's been going on in Florida with the attack on African-American history in Florida and, and Governor Ron DeSantis, I mean DeSantis, okay? And what's happened recently is that African-American churches have started teaching black history in the churches as a result of the, of the uh, Florida Department of Education and Governor Ron DeSantis. So I just did a broadcast December 17th breaking this down. So these are just three quick topics that I want to deal with today. Okay, now, uh, go to the next slide, brother. Okay, good. This right here. Assessing the damage that was done that needs repairing. Now, I read the executive summary of the 500-page initial report, and it was deep. This one here, this 1,000-page report, this is the most, uh, most in-depth analysis and study of African Americans probably since the 1968 Current Commission report. All right, now, as I explain to people, as a historian, as I explain to people, before you can make recommendations for repairing the damage of a legacy of slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, racism, redlining, housing discrimination, etc. We first have to understand who African people were and what African people had before we were put into an institution that largely stripped us of our history, culture, language, spiritual systems, folklore, names, family ties, identity, culture, etc. If you start your analysis in slavery, you're already a few hundred or maybe some thousand years too late. You gotta go before that. Because to repair, to re the root concept of reparations means to repair, to restore you to a state you were in before the damage was done, to make you whole again. If you just look at us as enslaved people, you're gonna miss a whole lot of this, okay? Number one. Number two, the, the California Reparations Task Force, uh, the, the, the uh, report they released June 29, 2023 is a little more than a thousand pages. Read this article from CNN.com. California Reparations Task Force release, releases final set of recommendations. June 29, 2023, and they have the link to the full thousand page studies broken down by chapters as well, and uh, I've been going through looking at a lot of them. Next slide. A task force examining reparations for black residents in California. African Americans are only about 6% of the population in California, only about 6% of the population in San Francisco, right? In California, released this final report Thursday, June 29, 2023, with more than 115 policy recommendations for how the state should compensate those harmed by slavery and historical atrocities. Now, as I try to explain to a lot of people, and I've been on some panels, I was on the Tammy Mac uh, show, The Business of Being Black, on the Fox Soul TV network, that show isn't on anymore. But as I try to explain to people, because I teach this history, California does not have a deep history of slavery like Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Texas, anything like that. You know, they have, California comes into the Union in 1850 as a free state. 
Uh, they have some estimates of between 1,500, some say as many as 4,000 African people in semi-slavery. That's for maybe 15 years to 1865 when uh, Georgia ratifies the 13th Amendment, December 6, 1865. California is not Texas. In June of 1865, when Major General Gordon, Gordon Granger goes into Texas to deliver General Order Number 3, there are 250,000 enslaved African people in Texas. Okay, California is not Texas. You have to understand the history of these individual states. This is what I'm trying to explain to people here in Michigan. 1837, when Michigan became a state in the Union, I mean, when, when Michigan abolished slavery and became a state in the Union, at best, and I'm being generous, at best, they had 100 enslaved Africans in Michigan. Michigan, no, Michigan is not Mississippi, even though there was racism here. Michigan is not Mississippi. So you have to really understand specifically what it is that you're talking about. Okay, now, let's, next slide. Okay. Uh, all right, so recommendations, and let me catch up with this here. Uh, okay, yeah. Recommendations in the landmark report comprised of more than 1,000 pages and included recommendations for reforms linked to health care, housing, education, and criminal justice, among other areas. Uh, read this article here, yeah, okay, the same one. California Reparations Task Force releases final set of recommendations, June 29, 2023. Next slide. Okay, the task force hired a panel of experts, including economists, to calculate what black Californians have endured through their formula, they determined that an eligible person could be owed up to an estimated $1.2 million. Now, they outlined 12 harms, 12 documented harms, and laid out the historical and legal argument behind that. They said there's more than 12 harms, but they wanted to just to focus on those 12, and then the 115 policy recommendations specifically address, address those 12 harms. The formula includes dollars lost because of race-based health disparities, mass incarceration, housing discrimination, unjust land seizure, and other harms that had major impacts on black Californians. And what they do is, for each one of these harms, they show what happened nationally and how African Americans were harmed nationally by those harms, and then specifically California. Okay, next slide. In the case of monetary reparations, only those individuals who can demonstrate that they are the descendant of either an enslaved African American in the U.S. or a free African American living in the U.S. prior to 1900 should be eligible to report states. Now, the reason why they had to do it like that is because in the state of California, they have a state law, like a lot of states do, race-based policies are illegal. It's illegal in the state of California, as well as federal law, to have policies for only one race of people. So, the way they have it set up, and Camila Moore, who's an attorney, is the chair, the chairwoman of the commission. They have it set up by lineage, and they're trying to because they're trying to structure this because they know it's going to be challenged in court. Whatever happens, they know it's going to be challenged in court. If 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 affirmative action for college admissions gets overturned by six three conservative Supreme Court, you think this won't be challenged? If 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 an executive order to forgive student loans is challenging court, and that was going to disproportionately benefit African Americans. It was going to lift 500,000 African American families who are in poverty. It, it would take, I mean, not poverty, it would take them from a negative network to a positive network. Network That one executive order. If that gets overturned and that gets challenged in court, you think this won't be challenged? So they're trying to structure it so that it can withstand legal challenges. This is what I'm trying to explain to all the hashtag the chick people. They don't seem like they really understand this. Now, at the federal level, 
race-based policies are illegal at the federal level. And I found this out when, um, some years ago, I was on a uh, committee to write an executive order, Executive Order 22 here in the city of Detroit, uh, under Kwame Kilpatrick. And one of the first things corporate counsel said was it's illegal to have policies for one race of people. She was citing federal law. Read this. How many people read the 1964 Civil Rights Act? If you haven't read it, go read it tonight along with the U.S. Constitution. If you read those two, there's a whole lot of stuff you'll start really understanding. All this, all this is based upon law. Title VI, Section 601, Non-Discrimination of Federally Assisted Programs. This is from the 1964 Civil Rights Act. It says, no person in the United States shall, on the ground of race, color, or national origin, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. You can go to archives.gov, U.S. National Archives, read it yourself. Proper documentation ends all conversation. You don't believe me. Go read it yourself. Because the reason why that was put in there because we were discriminated against by policies. Now, you can write policies that disproportionately positively impact African Americans, but it's illegal to write policies only for one race of people. So you have to understand how to get around it. So as I explain to people, who, who studied the history of slavery in this country? Raise your hand. Who, who studied the history of slavery in this country? Usually I ask Bob Gibson this question, but he's not here tonight. Sister Nita, why do most slaves who run away run away at nighttime and not in the daytime? Who, 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 wants to, who wants to tackle that complex question? We didn't have PhDs, but we weren't stupid. Okay? We knew we had a much better chance to stay gone if we ran at nighttime because it'd be harder for them to see us and they're asleep, things of this nature, right? All right, let's continue here. Let's go to, uh, we're going to go to the next slide policy recommendations. I just want, they, they, they made over 115 policy recommendations. I just want to show you a few for the sake of time. Just to you, have you, has anybody read, this is a 74 page executive summary. Has anybody read the executive summary for the final report? Anybody read the executive summary for the first report? First, the first report, the executive summary was 28 pages. If you read these, it will totally blow you away and it details the history. It talks about how history and laws have been used against African Americans. And I explain to people, everything they do to us, they use the law to do it. And then when they get caught breaking the law, they go hire an attorney at law to defend them in the court of law. So the common denominator is law. We need to understand the law better than they, better than they understand the law. That's, and I teach this in a whole concept that I created called political self-defense. All right, now, um, if we look at this quickly here, I'll go back, brother. I didn't, I didn't get to that yet. I was talking. All right, policy recommendations. One, require payment. This is not in, in any order of importance. Require payment of fair market value for labor produced, pro, labor provided by incarcerated persons. We know that privatized prisons have already been outlawed in the state of California. It passed, uh, the state legislature and Governor Gavin Newsom signed it into law, I think it was like 2019, okay? So that's already been outlawed in privatized prisons. But it's not only in privatized prisons where forced labor would take place. Uh, fund, number two, fund community-driven solutions to decrease community violence at the family, school, and neighborhood levels in African-American communities. Three, establish a fund community wellness centers, establish and fund community wellness centers in African-American communities. One of the things they deal with is the psychological damage that racial terror has had on African-Americans, not just in California, but across the country. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide is eliminate legal protections for peace officers, police officers who violate civil or constitutional rights. And they talk about uh, qualified immunity, okay? All right, next slide. 
They have a whole section on addressing the racial wealth gap. Okay, this is just a snapshot of, of what they lay out here. Um, wealth is what you own minus what you owe. And this is the key to economic security. Uh, it is what enables families to build a better future. Wealth functions in many ways. It provides economic stability during lean times, like during economic recessions. It opens doors to improving quality of life. It is a dam against the food waters of economic catastrophes. It provides access to political uh, power and it allows us to live and retire with dignity. Next slide. Okay, now, if we just look here, this comes from page 650. Establish and fund community wellness centers in African American communities. As discussed in chapter three, throughout the history of the United States, racial terror has played a critical role in reinforcing and perpetuating the badges and incidents of slavery. Enslavement was followed by decades of violence and intimidation intended to subordinate formerly enslaved African people and their descendants across the United States. Racial terror, especially lynching and the threat of lynching, uh, pervaded every aspect of, of African American life during and after slavery. Quote, California is no exception. The state its local governments and its people have played a significant role in enabling racial terror and allowing its legacy to persist here in California. Okay, next slide. Okay, now I'm gonna fast forward through some of this here. Um, okay, uh, yeah, because this comes up on the 12 arms. I wanna show you the 12 arms here in just a second. But let's look at this. California's unprecedented reparations report details 150 years of anti-black harm. Uh, so the report, offers a comprehensive look at the uh, impacts of enslavement and generations of discrimination on black uh, Californians and black uh, Americans more broadly. It finds that the damage to black communities is extensive and that a variety of intentionally crafted policy, this deals with laws, intentionally crafted policy, judicial decisions, law, law cases, court cases, and racism by private actors has created a widespread exclusion of black people that has not been sufficiently addressed at any level of government. Okay, next slide. Uh, okay, we're gonna go to, let's see here. I wanna go to, let's go to, uh, uh, go to the next slide. Uh, it says, California report highlights a history of moral and legal wrongs. Okay, right here. This deals with the preliminary report, okay? The 500 page preliminary report. Over 13 chapters and about 500 pages, the interim reports authors recount the moral and legal wrongs the American and California government have inflicted upon their own black citizens and residents, noting how slavery and subsequent discrimination have exposed black communities to racial terror and political disenfranchisement, left them with inferior outcomes in health and wealth building, and relegated them to segregated neighborhoods and schools. Okay, next slide, right here. So these are the 12 harms that they lay out then they deal with the history of that, and then they make recommendations to address these harms, okay? Number one, enslavement. Number two, racial terror. Three, political disenfranchisement. Four, housing segregation. Five, separate and unequal education. Six, racism and environmental and infrastructure. Like when you had the, uh, the U.S. Interstate Highway Act in 1952 and 1956, that drove 41,000 miles of interstate highways all across the country. They ran through 1,600 African-American communities, wiping out homes, going through Black Bottom, going through the Fremont District in, in San Francisco, and also in the 1970s, going through what was left of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
They're talking about things like that. Seven, pathologizing the black family. Eight, control over uh, creative, cultural, and intellectual life. Next slide. Number nine, stolen labor and hindered opportunity. Ten, an unjust legal system. Eleven, mental and physical harm and neglect. Twelve, the racial wealth gap. Okay? Okay, next slide. Now, there's a good article from AssociatedPressNews.com. I talked about this on uh, Faraji Muhammad's show, Culture, on uh, Roland Martin's Black Star Network. And I've talked about this on my show as well. Uh, there was a study that came out, the Pew Research Study 2021. 30% of Americans are against reparations. I mean, I'm sorry. Two-thirds of Americans are against reparations. Only 30% of Americans are for reparations. Uh, only 30% of U.S. adults surveyed by Pew Research Center in 2021 supported reparations for slavery in some way for descendants of formerly enslaved people, 77% of whom were African-Americans who support reparations. Support among Latinos and Asians was 39% and 33% respectively, and white Americans had the lowest rate of support at 18%. I wonder why. Now, also, I, I, there's a... You know, there's a, a study that came out in uh, April 4th, 2018, the 60th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. And this was a, a I think it was a Gallup poll. 40% of white Americans felt that African Americans could be equally as successful as white Americans if we just tried hard. <laughs> I'm serious, go research this. Don't, 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 don't take my word, go research this. I've talked about this before on my show. 40% of white Americans felt that African Americans could be equally as successful. They skip over history of racism, discrimination, strip over. They, they, they skip over the Homestead Act of 1870 uh, 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 that gave uh, 270 million acres of land, okay, for 124 years. They skip over things like this. They skip over 246 years of slavery, okay? But this is, this is who you're dealing with, okay? All right, next slide. Now, I was on a panel discussion uh, for equal justice, which one was this? This was for another uh, social justice, uh, it was an environmental justice uh, organization, it was a couple years ago. And we were on, I was on a panel with African Americans and Native Americans, and we were dealing with a shared struggle, a shared history, uh, and a shared fight uh, for reparations and Native Americans getting their land back, things like this. And the question came up, why haven't African Americans received reparations? Here's just a few, here's just a few reasons, okay? One, Americans are very ignorant of history. Seriously, regardless of race, Americans are very ignorant of history. Two, the real history of this country and harm that the legacy of slavery has done is not taught in schools. And now you have a renewed, now you have a new attack, this whole anti-critical race theory attack, which is suppressing this teaching. And along, and the, and the sister to that attack is the big lie with the voter suppression uh, laws that are being passed and have been passed, especially after the 2020 election. Now, three, even though progress is being made, many African Americans don't understand how to give reparations law and the legislative process. Uh, four, most of the arguments for reparations are moral arguments, not legal arguments. Laws get challenged in court and can be overturned. All you do is look at the executive order for uh, uh, student loans, okay? That was a good legal argument, but you're dealing with a 6-3 conservative court. There's a whole history of why 6-3 goes back to 2016. Nobody wanted to listen to me. I tried to tell you. Okay, next slide. So I'm about to wrap this up. Uh, read, uh, let's see. Read this article here. Now, this is uh, a good piece from cbsnews.com. A crisis of civic education. Most Americans don't know what's in the U.S. Constitution. And 
This, they go through, they go out on the street and ask a number of people basic things about the U.S. Constitution. How many members in the House of Representatives are there? How many branches of the federal government are there? How many Supreme Court justices are there? A lot of people just clueless, okay? When asked how many people are in the House of Representatives, one woman guessed and said 12, the 435. One woman said 12. Another answer that she didn't know, one man guessed 80 and asked the same question. Well, it's 434 because little Georgie got kicked out. Okay. Now, these questions are all stuff Americans learned or should have learned a long time ago, but many people tend to forget this information, and many Americans have not read the Constitution in years of ever. So go to LOC.gov, Library of Congress website, and uh, also uh, archives.gov, read the U.S. Constitution. Especially if you read, like, the 12th Amendment, which changed the Electoral College, then you start understanding, oh, that's how it works. That's why they have voter suppression in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Because it's not the national popular vote that matters, it's the popular vote per state. And, you know, anybody, does everybody know how the Electoral College works? Yeah. And you know it's after the census. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know that the census distributes $1.5 trillion per year for 10 years based yeah. upon census results. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm talking to the right audience. All right. Now, uh, okay, let's go to the next, uh, next slide. This study right here, one of the things I've been talking about is because so many people are challenged when it comes to history, okay? Uh, now, go to the next one. It says, racism has cost the U.S. $16 trillion. Because we gotta fast forward. Go to the next one. Right here, start right here. This is an example of what I'm talking about, okay? When you study the history of racism, especially anybody ever studied Bacon's Rebellion, 1675, 1676 in the county of Virginia, and it was a rebellion against the wealthy uh, Virginia tobacco uh, plantation owners. It was a rebellion by enslaved African people, free African Americans, white indentured servants, poor whites. And in 1670s, in, in December of 1675, they burned down the town of Jamestown, Virginia. You ever study that? Vegas Rebellion? Now, I don't know if that was the inspiration for the song, The Roof, The Roof, The Roof is On Fire, but I think it may have been. This shows, this study right here from Citigroup Bank shows how racism is hurting everybody. But if you, if you understand why the term white was introduced into the county of Virginia after Bacon's Rebellion and then through the other counties, it was to put the poor white people on Team White to, to fool them so they can keep oppressing them and they, and they put laws in place to, to that, that treated poor whites and enslaved Africans or African people differently. Racism has cost the U.S. $16 trillion city group fines. This is from CBSNews.com, September 20, 2020, September 23rd, 2020. America could have been $16 trillion richer if not for inequities in education, housing, wages, and business investment between black and white Americans over the past 20 years. Not 246 years. They're just looking at from the year 2000 to about 2019. They're just looking at that, okay? New research from Google. Concludes. The study released this week by Citigroup Bank is the latest in a body of research that attempts to quantify the economic impact of systemic racism. That all these people run around saying doesn't exist, including Negroes. <laughs> saying it don't exist. Oh, really? Okay. Let's see who you married to. Now, Citigroup arrived at a $16 trillion figure after estimating. Next slide. After estimating... Okay, black workers have lost 13, $113 billion in potential wages over the past two decades because they couldn't get a college degree. 
Two, the housing market lost $218 billion in sales because African-American applicants could not get home loans. And then also, you saw a report from CNN uh, about the discrimination uh, coming from uh, U.S. Navy, uh, I think U.S. Navy Credit Union, when it, when it came to uh, 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 applications for home loans going to African-Americans, research that one. Three, about $13 trillion in business revenue never flowed into the economy because black entrepreneurs couldn't access bank loans. Now, what this shows is, is how racism is hurting everybody, even though we get the breadth of it. It's documented how racism hurts everybody. Now, then it goes on to say this. What's more, the U.S. could have $5 trillion in gross domestic product over the next five years if those gaps and others were closed today, the study indicated. The gaps we're talking about are laws and policies. All right? Uh, okay, now, and when I do, okay, go to the Juneteenth slide, very quickly, because I'm about to wrap up. Go to the Juneteenth slide. Juneteenth is a tool to educate America about history being suppressed. Okay, some of this I just got to skip over. When I teach about the history of Juneteenth, we, Juneteenth can be used as a powerful weapon to educate America on a history that's being suppressed in many schools. I talk about four elements. Help. History, economics, law, and politics. All of our Juneteenth celebrations. Juneteenth is not Black Folks Independence Day. It's not a day to get off work and get drunk and eat ribs and things like this. We got to have some teaching and learning going on. We have to use this as a weapon, okay? Uh, do with the history of African Americans, understand economic empowerment, understand how laws and policies impact us, and understand that politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, the adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. Next slide which is the last slide. Next slide, right there. I did this broadcast December 27, 2023. In response to Governor Ron DeSantis, the Florida Department of Education, them attacking um, the social study standards and uh, putting out nonsense like slaves benefited from skills that they learned during slavery, we came from a highly sophisticated civilization. We were already skilled before we were put into before we were put into an institution of slavery. We did not have to be kidnapped and put into an institution of slavery and put into an apprenticeship program to learn skills. Okay? So now you have this there's an organization called Faith in Florida. They put together an eleven module uh, study guide which consists of numerous books and, and uh, videos and things like this, and hundreds of African American churches. Uh, in Florida are now teaching black history to fight against Ron DeSantis and the Florida Department of Education. Now I've been saying this is something that needs to happen. We should have already been doing this. I know some churches do, but on a wide scale, we should have already been doing this. But not just churches, fraternal, uh, fraternal organizations, sororities, the Masons, Eastern Stars, uh, all types of uh, community organizations, okay? So check out my website, and uh, you can listen everybody, exactly. But at the same time, as Dr. Carter G. Winston correctly stated, he said the history of African Americans has to be taught in every school across the country, not just for us. Because the way you treat a people is based upon what you've been taught about a people. What you've been taught about a people is based upon what you've read, heard, and seen about a people. So when you get when you got people who are going to be future doctors, attorneys, police officers, judges, politicians, etc., who are largely ignorant of your history and a lot of what they know is negative, when they come in contact with somebody that's representative of that group, they're going to operate based upon how they've been programmed. Okay? All right, next slide. Okay, now, I'm going to wrap up here. Come see me at my booth back there. We have a special Kwanzaa bundle pack. You get uh, my two online history classes, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what it did teach you in school, and my new class, 
black resistance movements from the Haitian Revolution, U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. We have them all on demand. You get that in 15 of my lectures in download format for one price. That is, that's 76% uh, off. And uh, go to the next slide. Yeah, so H.E. Uh, Kim and the Moors and the Mafia, that is uh, uh, tw it's actually 12 lessons, about 30 hours. We did with thousands of years of history. And next slide. And what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And then, because I had, next slide, because I had so much information and I get so deep into the history, I realized that we had to specifically focus on the year 1800 through 1968 with the assassination of Dr. King and the, the election of Richard Nixon, okay? So this second class gets deep into that and we go through and look at that history. But we focus on black resistance movements, how we fought back against white supremacy and racism, all different ways, okay? All right, so I'm gonna wrap it up there. Back to Stephen Biko, one of our great South African freedom fighters who's portrayed by Denzel Washington in the 1987 movie Cry Freedom. He said, the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. Next slide. He said, the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. Last slide. Wakanda forever, Asante Salam Mob Hotel. Thanks for your attention. Peace. Hotep everybody, this is Michael M. Hotep from the African History Network. Our Kwanzaa Online History Course Bundle Pack is on sale right now. We have a fantastic promotion for you. Get our bundle pack of two online history courses that I teach, as well as my 15 lecture downloadable bundle, African History Awakens the African Mind from Mental Death. These are both from me, Michael M. Hotep. They're on sale right now for only $100. That's 76% off. My first online history class is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Kemet is one of the original names for Egypt. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles. There's about 100 articles that we cover in the class, over 200 slides that I put together as well. The, and there are also video clips, including excerpts of interviews I've done with some of our historians and scholars, as well as Renoka Rashidi, Professor James Small, Anthony Browder, Professor Kabahiawafa Kamane, and Dr. David M. Hotep. In the second class that I teach, it's called Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution, the U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. And we dig in deep and look at history chronologically from 1800 to 1968 and look at what leads to the Civil War taking place. We study the Jim Crow era, the Reconstruction era, 1865 to 1877, World War I, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement, and the Great Migration, 1915 and 1970, to understand what happened to us after slavery ended, what were the laws and policies put in place to put us where we are today to understand where we need to go from here. I created both of these classes, created the curriculum, chose the content as well. This sale ends Sunday, January 7th, 2024. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You'll see the promotion at the top of the page. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. You can join us for our next online class live Sunday, January 7th, 2024 at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
You can watch all of these classes on demand, and even after the course is over with, you don't lose access. Register right now. Order right now. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. This sale ends Sunday, January 7th, 2024. Uh, also, if you'd like to stop it for information, you support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me, forward slash the AHN show. The sisters keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.